Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everybody to yet another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. Today, is a personal journey. That's right, it's not just gonna be yours truly behind the microphone blabbering on and on forever. I'm bringing not one, but two guests on the show with me today. Dr. Michael Carpenter, founder and majority owner of Dental Excellence Group in Northwest Ohio, and a gentleman that probably many of you know, Aiden Bradley, that's right. He's our fractional COO and strategic consultant here at Polaris, and we are fortunate to have him behind the microphones. This is going to be a wide-ranging discussion of a very successful group practice owner. You're going to get to hear all about his personal journey, some of the highs, a few of the lows. It'll be a learning experience. Get your pad and pen ready for another wonderful cup of that Mila coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. And as I teased in the introduction, I've got not one, but two guests with me on the show today. This is going to be a tremendous amount of fun for yours truly. I love it when we're able to bring some of our longstanding clients behind the microphone and you get to learn from some of their experiences. And Dr. Michael Carpenter, founder of Dental Excellence Group in Northwest Ohio is with us today. Mike, thank you for a little bit of your time. You are a very busy guy. We all appreciate it. I know we're going to be better off for it. Thanks for being on with us today. Hey, Perrin, it's uh, great to be with you. And it's it's really my pleasure and I'm happy to do it. And, uh, you know, I also appreciate being on with such a smooth podcast operator. All right. We're starting out with a bucket full of lies, not 90 <laughs> seconds into this thing, and it can only go up from here, right? <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you're great to give us some of your time today, and, and we're very grateful. When I say we, um, a- an old name, but maybe a new voice on the show today is Aiden Bradley. Aiden works with Dr. Carpenter, but also a lot of our other clients in the field, helping them uh, build and really execute on their growth strategy. Uh, Aiden has an operator's background, and he's been uh, part of our company for well over two years now. AB, thanks so much for some time, and and this being your maiden voyage behind the uh, the microphone yourself. Thanks for being on with us. Thanks a lot, Perrin. I'm excited to be on with you and, and Michael, and and great to catch up and uh, chat for the next little while. Well, you didn't really have much of a choice, seeing as that we pay your salary, so you had to do this more of an obligation, right? So let's uh, let's dig into this um, because, Michael, you've got a a tremendous business. I mean, we've been fortunate to work with you for a, a good little while now, and and know you for a lot longer. But for our audience that 
uh, isn't familiar with you, um, uh, maybe they haven't uh, met you before at any of the, the group practice events that you attend um, or aren't familiar with uh, your area of Northwest Ohio, can you maybe just take a couple of seconds here and give us some background? What got you into dentistry in the first place? And then, you know, what made you start down this journey of building a group practice for you and your partners? Sure, Perrin, I, I can do that. Um, I will say the thing that got me thinking about dentistry in the first place was my experience as an orthodontic patient. And I think there are a lot of probably current doctors out there that had that same experience uh, that was a positive one. And obviously having straight teeth is a great thing. And also seeing a, at that time what I thought was an orthodontist who really had a fun team and enjoyed what he was doing. Uh, I also grew up in a family that owned a small business. And the idea of being my own boss was always right there along with, you know, the dentistry and taking care of people part. Because I think the only other things I considered really were like pediatrician or some other kind of doctor, surgeon. Um, I think I just was always compelled to want to take care of people, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... um you know, spoken from the heart as it relates to the way most um, enter the profession and and wanting to do right by patients. And, um, you know, thankfully, so many of you build successful businesses, at least for the most part, be it a solo practice or a multi-location group. And obviously, your business is uh, multifaceted, to, to say the least. We're going to dig into more of the dynamics around that uh, group practice. Um, but before we get there, maybe share uh, just from your perspective, some of the challenges you confronted early on. I mean, y'all have four locations now. You've got almost all specialties considered, and you've got some minority partners uh, along the way, and even a dental assisting school. But you didn't you didn't start out on third base, Mike. You know, I mean, there there were there were some uh, let's just call them learning experiences maybe early on. Anything you want to share and some advice you can give to our audience with that? Oh, I have plenty of advice on uh, <laughs> this is part one on of a, a trilogy, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I think the first thing um, you know that happened when I got out of dental school, Aaron was I I went and tried to develop my skill set as quickly as possible, just like a lot of the dentists out there, um, especially those of us driven. And a lot of people listening to this podcast are naturally driven people. So they're probably in the same boat. I tried to provide as much dentistry as I could to my patients. Um to the point I ended up boxing myself into a cosmetic practice, I will say, which is probably not the smartest idea in rural Northwest Ohio. And I and my I had some feedback in just in the local communities that they didn't come to me because I, I thought that's all I did was cosmetic dentistry. And, and it made it very stressful to have to close kind of bigger cases all the time to have a profitable business. And I didn't really... It was it was a lot of stress. Um, I I actually often comment to people that back when I had four employees, four to five employees, it was way more stressful than it is now when I have over ninety. So um, that's that was one thing. Is like um, I really and I was I was like open three days a week. You talk about a lifestyle practice. I had built a lifestyle practice and. Um, I actually didn't enjoy it. So I built something I didn't even enjoy. Um, Sunday nights were 
actually stressful. And I learned later it wasn't just stressful for me, but it's stressful for some of my team. So, and I thought, I started also thinking what happens if something happens to me? Uh, Cause I really cared about the team. When you, when you're that small a team, it's, you know, it literally is like your family. So I started working on um, actually growing the business. And I, at that moment, there was a certain moment I realized that I was an entrepreneur trapped in a dentist's body. Now that did not mean that I didn't enjoy the dentistry. It's just that I enjoyed the, the entrepreneurial aspect even more. And I, I enjoyed the, the challenge of growth, the challenge of figuring out how to be a leader. Because Perrin, I was actually, in hindsight, a terrible leader. And I know a lot of people subscribe to the to the belief that uh, you know people are natural born leaders, the best ones, but that is not true. It is a skill that you have to learn, you have to practice. And I think one of the, so as entrepreneurial dentists, we definitely know the law of the lid, which is, you know, the business is only gonna go as high as our ability and we have to keep getting better and study how to keep getting better and practice how to keep getting better or, or our organizations are stuck. Yeah, you know, I, that's, there's a lot there, Mike. And you you mentioned first off that you you know you had a a lifestyle business that that you didn't uh, really enjoy at the time. And I, I only halfway jokingly tell people, well, it sounds to me like you built yourself a job, you know. And that's maybe not the way that any of us truly want to think about the the journey. But you've been able to um, adapt and overcome, as the Marines would say, you know, and and really. Um, have the objectivity to look at yourself, uh, not just as the the clinical producer and the driver, the economic engine of the business, but also like what you wanted the business to become, so that it would be something that that you loved. Um, and I wonder if you uh, can talk a little bit about that transition going from that lifestyle business into a multi location footprint, and and a little bit more about what that looked like in your early stages. Yeah, and I think a lot of the advice that I have, Perrin, that was that I I guess the steps I took that were really good ones, I still had a lot of missteps along the way. But sure. What you know was the fact that I worked on growing that main practice. And we did that um to the level of, you know, 25 plus percent uh growth for you know 10 years until that COVID year. I was eight years into that before I had a second location, um, and then a and then a third and fourth. So, and all I guess the second, third, and fourth all happened within a couple of years. And I that was another thing I learned. I created a real mess that my leadership team, frankly, and myself had to work our way back out of. And when you're not ready for it, it puts a lot of stress also on your main practice, not only from a cash flow but from a resource. So you're pulling leaders and you're pulling your best hygienists and you're pulling pulling people into those uh, into those other practices to, to try to make them better. Meanwhile, you can adversely affect you know the where your bread is buttered, so to speak, which is in that in that main practice. And I think I think there's a there's a sequence that is super important um, to not I guess to make this as you know, to make the stress and pain as little as possible if you're going to grow a group practice, because you're going to have those things. 
And one thing you mentioned earlier, I have a, a dental assisting school. It's uh, it's in its uh, gosh ninth or tenth year now, and that literally at one time twenty five percent of my employees had come out of that assisting school, and it, it just made I didn't have to recruit um, dental assistants who then also also became um, team leaders. They became treatment coordinators, front desk people, um, hygiene assistants. So we were able to fill a lot of positions out of that school. And I just cherry picked the best ones out of every class. The instructor knew who they were. So we would, we would do that. Um, so that was, that was an important aspect of our growth early on. But I think the number one thing, um, if you want, if you think you want to grow a group practice or you're struggling at this point to think you can't find money to invest back in the business to say, hire somebody to help you run it is you got to reduce your living expenses. Um, and I know DeWalker is huge on this, but literally for that whole 10 years, I was investing all of my margin back into the practice. Um, and I joking, I would joke with my, uh, you know, CFO that I had recently that he would, I would say, we need to hire this and this and this. And he would say, well, we're going to have to, you know, grow a lot more. But I'd say, well, just take it out of my pay. Because that's that's essentially what it is, and but it should be self funding too. So, uh, which it is, we always every time we made more hires at the leadership level, we we grow. So it is self funding, but so that is that is a key. So, and then I think for a lot of people out there that are still in the chair a lot clinically, that is what creates a lot of stress because you don't have any time to run the business. So as you add associate doctors that's when you cut chair time. Um, and I recommend like one day each time you add an associate. And then when you reach one or two days clinically, um, then you need to find somebody to help run the business. And th I think one of Aiden's big um, things he pushed me on um, when uh, as I was a client was kind of what is my unique ability and how am I going to best serve my business? And that really was the role of clinical director and taking on that role and not being involved in the day-to-day. -day. So you're getting your return and that income back from when you were in the chair by making your doctors more productive. Um, it also is a great service to your patients because it allows you to better control the quality of care you're giving when you can literally be in the operatory teaching them. You can listen to how they're talking to patients. You can review x-rays and, and do treatment planning with them. And you really got to have all the doctors calibrated across all your practices because when you have a brand, so to speak, it the patient, our patients actually move around between our practices. And we want them to have the exact same experience in every practice from a service and a quality of dentistry st standpoint. So that's, I think, a, a super important, um, super important thing. And as I mentioned, just growing, growing your main practice to maximum revenue before you add practices. And then don't start adding more practices when you have tons of growth available in your current practices. It's, it's just easier because you already have a team, you know, you have a location and patient base, you know, um, you have a marketing uh, area, you know. So I think those are some, I guess, building blocks that if you haven't started this and already, you know, done a 
bunch of mistakes in these areas. Um, that's how I would do it. Um, and, and those are some things that I did do. Now, there are all kinds of bumps that I've had along the way. I've made bad doctor hires, had to get back in the chair because I had to fire them and start. But the good thing was I had somebody run the business while I was doing that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, there's a there's a lot of genius in what you what you just shared, and maybe if I can hit the highlights um, for the audience real quick or, or reinforce the highlights. Um, first first and foremost, um, yours is a, an overnight success that took you ten years in the making, right? I mean, I think you said like <laughs> yes. it was eight, eight years from one to the ultimately the second location, and y'all. Uh, produce tremendous growth along the way. So I think the the discipline there is we we don't have to be in a hurry and rush into making mistakes. And then the second thing is, you know, you talked about um, what I call creating margin for error on the home front. Obviously, if you're going to reinvest in the business and and uh, feed the goose that lays the golden eggs, it's really important not to have a lifestyle that's calibrated at 100% of the income you're withdrawing from the business because you've got no fallback position from a, a business standpoint. And that's that's one of the things that gets people into a lot of trouble when, to your third point, you start cutting back clinically, even though yours was a methodical approach and done the right way, if there's still no margin for error on the home front, that's the slightest reduction in clinical um, collections from a founder standpoint tends to create dramatic effect, negative effect on the, the home front. And that's all of that taken in concert is a really... Um, I use the word methodical because it's the the right way to approach it versus just an emotional rush in and and try to light the world on fire. Now, Aiden, you uh, or we and you specifically got the opportunity to start working um, with Mike um, once he was already into multiple locations, and you got to work with some of that that leadership team and and you know, started helping him fine tune what his his role was going to be as the business evolved to the next level of growth. I wonder if you could take a second and maybe orient the audience to to some of the way um, to, to what the business looked like from your perspective early on in your relationship. And then some of the uh, tactical things that you were able to work with um, Dr. Carpenter and his and his leadership team on in the early phases of of, of our journey with him. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks, Parent, for that. And 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 Michael, great to great great to see you and, and talk to you again. One of the you know one of the core pillars that we have with our strategic consulting program is we we define ourselves as not your forever partner. And I think Michael and his group have proven that there can be a an impact made that doesn't necessarily need to be a, a forever uh, engagement. And I, I prefaced what I'm going to say with that with was very early on, what I found with, with Michael and his team was a very collaborative C-suite and a prioritizing of needs and, and a true conviction to their, to their core values. So once, once we identified where they wanted to be over the next three to five years, we started to hone in on what the business looked like currently. And then through our strategic planning session in person, we started to identify areas of what they were doing well and some areas of improvement. And Michael had had mentioned 
you know, before you start growing, you know, sort of horizontally, there was a lot of room to grow vertically. And where I uh, gained a lot of trust and respect with Michael was his ability to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And the doctor development and clinical direction piece in the beginning, I think it's fair to say, was something that Michael felt in the past was something where chairside mentorship was really like, get out of the way, let me do it for you. And we tried to morph that into how do we mentor our docs to be able to provide an enhanced skill set and be able to carry that forward. And now it's progressed into, I think, a passion for for Michael because of, of the results that it's yielded thus far. So when we look at specific metrics, uh, when when the when the group came in, there was one, it's it's obvious with most clients, uh, they want to increase production. They want to increase margin. Um, within the short year, they are at an EBITDA percentage that they wish to attain. So I can only see that going up. And they're probably a full year ahead of their revenue goal of when we first started. So uh, the what I'll finish with is that even after our engagement and speaking with Michael the other day, they have not only carried on what we began, they have exceeded uh, what we had tried to do. So I think all the things that we worked on collaboratively have have really settled in and become regular business practice. And their ability to uh, bring in change management and put people in the right seats to allow uh, Michael to do his thing clinically, I think has been one of their greatest successes. They've added some new positions. They put people in the right seats. And in looking in the in the financials, their chair utilization has increased. Their retention of employees has has increased. And margins have increased because of that. So I think you know, it was, a, it was a a specific example of turning what wasn't a strength into a strength that will continue to carry forward for future growth. Yeah, I, I think that's very well said, Aiden. And and to corroborate your initial statement, when you can create, when we can uh, make an impact with a client's business like that, it's natural uh, for us to kind of work ourselves out of a job, you know. And and we don't want to be um, uh, a forever expense on the, on the P and L we want to, to make an impact, teach them how to run a better business and, and also be able to put our arm around the, the client to say, you got this, you know, you're, you're prepared for the next phase of growth. You know, Mike, if I can ask you to maybe, um, uh, take the, take the, the client side, I guess, of, of working with Aiden, you know, when he, when he came like a bull in a China shop, of course, which is Aiden's <laughs> nature, you know, just to come charging in the front door and, and tear, tear the house down and tell everybody what a bad business they're in. I'm kidding, of course, but, um, you know, from, from your standpoint, um, uh, being the majority business owner and, and founder, and then having an established leadership team, I wonder if you could give a little bit of just color what it was like to to work with a, an operator and a strategic advisor like Aiden, and and the way that dance unfolded, um, you know, through the first phase of the relationship there. Yeah, you know. Parent and, and my reason for the comment about a smooth podcaster earlier was because I was a big time listener of the podcast. And actually, you know, I had heard your name before because I had been to plenty of DSO conferences and that sort of thing. But um, really listening to the podcast got me to email you and then do a phone call with you, et cetera. But um, and the I think the 
thing that now that I reflect on on the relationship, I know I was I was looking for someone to help educate my executive team um, be, beyond what I could do, and also wanted somebody to tell us, you know, where we're not doing very well. And you know, we had always struggled a little bit with profitability. Now, you like talk about. I, there's a lot of money I decide to spend in my practice on my employees and on my community and on my patients that frankly would get cut out if I didn't own the business. Um, so I, there's a couple of percentage points in there that that keep it fun for me. And I think that that's that's something you need to decide as a business owner. What what kind of you gotta recognize that too. So um, but I think even working with you know Kyle and your and other members of your team, you know I learned a lot of of different things to make me a better owner as well. A lot of statistics that you guys um, collected from us and went over and delivered were things I hadn't been um, either tracking or paying attention to. Um, you know, to your point about uh, Aiden, you know, I joked with him he was too nice in the beginning, and uh, <laughs> he. Uh, this is just a personality, but I said he could have got on us a little bit earlier, but uh, and pushed us in some areas. But it, it worked out really well, and I think the asking the right questions, like looking at it from the outside, you know, sometimes you can't see it when you're in it, so to speak. So having that uh, external set of eyes on it, and then and also on the same point, like sometimes we don't think we're we might not think we're doing very well. And then when somebody else comes in and goes, actually, if you would look around the industry, you're doing quite well. I mean, that's a val that can be validating too, because we're our own worst critics. Um, and I think the the level of excellence we try to to do at every in every area of our business um makes us feel that way sometimes. And we're always looking for solutions that simply don't seem to be in a box out there in dentistry. So uh, we have to create our own most of the time. But uh, certainly with the um, relationship we have with Polaris, you guys were wonderful hosts and we came down to uh, Charlotte. That was a lot of fun. And then um, I think it it really helps because, you know, Aiden came to visit. And I think that having Aiden come and visit and see what we have puts a lot of mass behind and he can offer even better advice once he sees it in action once he meets all the people in your business i think that's a such an important aspect of the program you guys run yeah it you know um everybody we we don't approach a relationship in any of our core services with a uh, a cookbook or cookie cutter or formulaic type of an approach. There, there's certainly things consistently that we do from one client to another, but you're all endeavoring to build different businesses for different reasons that are at different phases of growth. And, you know, I think that places a, a burden to a degree on all of us, but certainly in this case, Aiden, to, to be adaptable and to be insightful enough to, to make the right recommendation for the right reason for the client at the right point in time, not just that, oh, this worked with somebody else, so let's just try it here. You know, I mean, I think that, and, and you, you find, you feel 
more of that when you're on site with a client in their environment. It's it's live fire. It's interaction with the staff. It's aesthetically what the practices look like. You understand the fabric behind the business and and what the the client is really trying to do in their journey. And I think that's that's super important. It's more than just the numbers. Um, and and I think that's that's really key. Um, you know, Aiden, if I could ask of you. Um, you know, having worked with Mike and his team um, and, and seen him in action and everything and and the impact, <clears throat> excuse me, that you were able to make, you know, o- over the course of that relationship, um, it it evolved over time um, and was one that grew in importance. But I, I think as as you have rolled off of that client engagement, you know, thinking about their next phase of growth and the opportunity at hand, Dr. Mike, Michael Carpenter as a business leader, their executive team and everything like that, maybe maybe what's your, I don't know if prognostication is the right word, what's your outlook on on their business now that you can kind of see where they are versus where they started mm-hmm. in the journey with you? What's the forward-looking um, perspective from your eyes for them? Oh, oh. Well, simply, I'm extremely bullish on on Dr. Carpenter's group. Uh, I, I say that because some of the initiatives that we worked on and completed when I was engaged, and then after speaking to Michael this week, just to kind of catch up and and hear how some of those projects or initiatives have carried out throughout uh, time, um, lends me to believe that in another year or two, I think this is going to be a business that's not even going to look like it does today. Um, we uh, we had decided what the management team of C-suite was going to look like. We had decided that a regional director of operations would be uh, an impactful position. It was a very difficult position to recruit for because of the, you know, sort of the business model of being in, in rural Northwest Ohio. Uh, and we uh, we recruited and uh, found someone that has come in that has since taken over the integrator role to allow um, other other members of the C-suite and and one that you know I work with very very closely and I'm very fond of uh, the COO Dana uh, who's got a marketing background. So we have you know our we talk about people, process, and patient flow. We've got the right people. And now we are developing all the right processes, and we've got subject matter experts pushing patient flow. So all the three pillars uh, are there. And as we as we see Michael's growth practice by practice, since then, uh, and Michael's a very humble man, they've since uh, built a brand new uh, office in Sylvania which is just an absolutely aesthetically gorgeous office that is uh, at least twice the size of the previous one. So we've we've added another dock. Uh, we have a new, uh, very capable uh, office manager in there. Uh, it's in a, in a highly sought out uh, area of the uh, township. And then as well as phenomenal growth in the two other core uh, areas that uh, that Michael's in. So the, the things that were just happening, if you will, I'm using air quotes here for our listeners, are really a reality now. And also because of the ability to self-fund or, or not hit that debt wall, um, 
Michael's growth plan is either a de, a de novo, which which is on on the books right now to build a, a pedo ortho practice right next door, which will free up more chairs for the flagship office, but also looking at different areas, what they refer to as county seats in Ohio that fit their model in rural areas for acquisition. So they're not married to a de novo uh, growth plank. They're not married to an acquisition growth plank. They're married to a target acquisition profile that fits the dental excellence model. And, you know, sharing some numbers that Michael did with me uh, Monday really brought a smile to my face that this is a team that really put into place all of the things that we worked on collaboratively and have continued to not only excel on what we worked at, but to surpass what we had even um, thought we would this quickly. So I am extremely bullish. And, you know, I'm, I'm also very grateful that we maintain a relationship with clients even after we're not actively engaged because it's just so wonderful to hear of the continued success and how it's gone on. And, and I think that, that uh, you know, Michael and his team exude that in spades. So I am extremely bullish and look forward to seeing what their next five to 10 years is going to look like because it's not going to look like it is today. I could see, you know, a few more practices and uh, Dr. Carpenter's uh, clinical direction uh, helping build and develop associates to place in each one of these new practices to carry on their mission and core values. Yeah, I think uh, I think the next phase of overnight success uh, for Mike won't take nearly <laughs> the ten years that the that yeah. the first one did, right? And and Mike, maybe um, from from your lens to to you know put a bow on our conversation for the day. Your your outlook for your business. Um, it, it's it's I don't want to say it's unique. It's a very special business, and you all do such a tremendous job and have such a, a sense of. Um, core values and the way that you go about it, which is um, really rewarding for a company like ours to be able to work with. And I'm I'm wondering if you can just maybe take a forward look at um, where the business is heading and, and your perspective as a leader of that for our audience. Yeah, we're definitely... So I guess the last two years, I would say, the, and again, we've been able to grow, not quite at that 25% plus year over year growth the rate that I did for 10 because uh, you know it simply gets harder when the numbers get bigger but the but we've been also set up the business we slowed down on purpose a little bit to put in you know the uh, EOS entrepreneur operating system throughout our company from it is fully integrated everybody in our team has a rock every quarter all 90 plus employees and and that that incremental improvement quarter by quarter just you can't believe at the end of the year what what has happened when you look back and we've been building a business that is ready to scale so we're in the process of hiring a couple more positions uh, to allow us to have that capacity to market to operate to put in a leader right away that knows the dental excellence culture and the way. And we are now like, it's just going to be a matter of, you know, honestly for us, it'll be um, probably at some point running up against a financing <laughs> ceiling, to be honest, that'll be, uh, you know, all the 
the practices along the way have been, you know, either bank or personally financed by me. So um, I think in terms of personnel, we're getting in the, in terms of operationally, we're ready to really expand at a high level again. Um, and not, so that is what I learned. Like, so in, in the end of 2017 into 2018, even early 2019, I just, create a lot of chaos because we weren't ready for that and we worked our way out of it and and you guys got to see us working our way out of some of that um but we continue to have i mean i i i do not hesitate to even in the current environment invest in buildings invest in um equipment and um it is you know people have short memories about what interest rates were i mean i I just recently did a building that, yes, the interest rate is way higher than the building I did six years ago, but it's, you know, when you look at the overall impact, it's a, you know, that interest difference is a drop in the bucket. So um, I, I guess from prior experience, you gain some confidence, um, but at the same time, you got to be careful not to get over leveraged. Yep. Very, very well said. I think that uh, I, I recorded a podcast recently that I made reference to. Um, if you if you look back historically um, at economic downturns or and or um, higher interest rate environments, not just like of the last you know six to eight months or something, but really look back deep historically, you see that there are a lot of um very successful businesses that either started in those downturns or they grew dramatically in those downturns because everybody else took their foot off the gas and put their head in the sand and for those that are running good businesses that are profitable like yours and are built the right way this is a, a coming opportunity and i think for those positioned the right way we're going to see a lot of expansion when um there's a maybe a lack of competition for some of those assets too. So the debt fund, the cost of debt funds is just a component of the overall equation. If you're a savvy operator like y'all are, um, you will do just fine. And suffice to say, whenever you need more debt, we can get you much deeper in debt, no matter how quickly you might need it. So uh, um, ring, don't, don't be shy, make the phone ring, right? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is one of the things, you know, uh, Aiden had set up a call with me earlier this year uh with some experts in that area and you know and i listened and i just didn't think it, the timing was right for me now um but certainly it was something uh that i now know about that could be a potential future resource yep a different way of looking at the next phase of growth and it's it's super cool to get to know you it's super cool to see the the success that you've created through like kind of this inflection point of your business and to um to to be more connected to the next phase of growth we aiden and i and everybody at polaris kind of takes pride in working with good people that are building businesses the right way and are creating substantial success for them, their partners and their families. And that's, um, that's something that you, you can't really put a price on it really. It's the fulfillment side of our business. And we're, we're truly excited for everything that y'all have under tow and what this next phase of growth looks like for you. I hope this won't be the last time we have you on the podcast. It took a, took a little while to get us here, scheduling conflicts and everything else, notwithstanding, but I, I hope you'll come back sometime, Mike. Hey, absolutely. If, uh, 
if the opportunity presents itself and you think I can bring some value to your listeners, I certainly uh, um, enjoy talking to you guys for sure. 100% you can. The opportunity um, will will not be nearly as long as it took us to schedule this one, but uh, uh, we're we're better off for your time and you're a busy guy and, and all of us at Polaris and our audience too is, is very grateful for that. Dr. Michael Carpenter, founder and CEO of the Dental Excellence Group in Northwest Ohio and Aiden Bradley, our executive consultant known by so many of our clients. I thank you both for, for joining me on the show today. I wish everyone very well in the audience. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.